This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, April 21st, 2015. I'm Caleb Brown. Just what powers does the Government Accountability Office have to look into how the Federal Reserve conducts its business? And what powers should it have? At a recent Cato Institute event on the Federal Reserve, I spoke with David Walker, former Comptroller General of the GAO, about the challenges to a more coherent and transparent monetary system. At the center of the question of whether or not the uh, GAO ought to have additional authority to audit the Federal Reserve, you put Congress and the president. So what is the, what is the basic uh, problem there? Well, the Fed is an independent agency within the federal government. Uh, and ironically, though, it's not consolidated with the financial statements of the U.S. government, uh, which we can come back to if you want. But the Fed's role has expanded over time. And it's engaged in some unprecedented, extraordinary measures, um, in particular since 2008 because of the financial crisis, in large part because it was the only game in town. Uh, The Congress and the president have not been able to work effectively together to try to deal with, you know, fiscal and other challenges that exist. And as a result, given the Federal Reserve's dual mandate, which not only is concerned with maintaining reasonable price stability, uh, uh, modest levels of inflation, reasonable long-term interest rates in order to be able to promote economic growth and therefore hopefully generate additional employment opportunities. Since the 1980s, it's had an express responsibility or second mandate to be concerned with unemployment. And obviously, unemployment has been high in recent years. Frankly, it's higher than the government tells you because of the way they keep score and almost to the unprecedentedly low on labor, participa- labor force participation rates as well as underemployment that exists. But it's these new and extraordinary powers, I think, that have caused additional attention to be focused on whether and to what extent the Fed should be subject to additional oversight. Okay. So what would you task the GAO with res- with respect to the Federal Reserve? Well, first, let's be clear about what they have right now and then what the gaps are. At the present point in time, the Federal Reserve is subject to an annual independent audit uh, by a big four accounting firm, which expresses an opinion on its financial statements and also on the adequacy of its controls over uh, over financial reporting. Uh, The Fed has an inspector general, which is appointed by the board, which conducts various, you know, uh, audits and program evaluations uh, and reports twice a year to the Congress of the United States. And since the financial crisis, the GAO has actually had some additional authority with regard to auditing the Fed that it did not have before the financial crisis. Importantly, that authority is coupled with some safeguards to try to prevent market gyrations and political manipulation. But my view is is that when you look at the Fed, it's in four lines of business. It's in monetary policy. It's in bank regulation and oversight. It's in clearing transactions. And it's in the bailout business, not just with regard to financial institutions, but frankly, the U.S. government in many regards. And my view is, is you have to be extraordinarily sensitive with regard to what it's doing in monetary policy. And the fact of the matter is it, it does, the Fed does report after every FOMC meeting. Uh, it does end up, uh, the, the chairman does report twice a year to the Congress on, on monetary policy. And it even makes all of its notes available. Uh, attribution, with attribution, five years after the fact. 
But where I think it needs additional oversight is in those other three areas, in the areas of bank regulation and oversight, clearing to the extent that's an issue, and bailouts. And the real issue is, is not just what has happened to get us where we are, but how are they going to unwind the trillions of dollars on their balance sheet uh, in a way that will not be unduly disruptive economically and otherwise? One of the suggestions that I have heard is uh, requiring the Federal Reserve to look at its policy decisions in the recent past and evaluate how well those decisions performed. Well, evaluation is always good. You know, we, we, we always can learn from history and uh, hopefully be able to uh, avoid any mistakes and, uh, you know, replicate any positive behavior going forward. Now, I have to believe that the Federal Reserve is doing that. The question is, is it whether or not there's any independent public reporting with regard to that. And, and that would be an example uh, where you're doing post-audit work so you're not in there while the deliberations are going on. You're not providing, you know, reporting to the Congress or anybody else, you know, as the activity is, is being engaged in, which could be very disruptive, you know, to the market and cause other problems. But where you're doing post-audit work, including, uh, you know, evaluation work. I mean, a lot of people don't understand that, you know, uh, program evaluation, policy analyses, compliance reviews are very different than financial audits. Uh, and that the GAO has capabilities far beyond any inspector general. Plus, the GAO, frankly, has a degree of independence beyond any particular inspector general, although the inspector generals do great work. Don't get me wrong. And so I think, you know, since uh, virtually every other uh, agency in government, including independent agencies that are within the federal government, are subject to GAO review, I think the Fed should, too, with appropriate safeguards, and certain exceptions with regard to monetary policy deliberations. The person who got all this going uh, in Congress was, of course, Ron Paul, and his uh, distinction that he tried to draw at every opportunity, in particular when he was uh, speaking directly with Ben Bernanke, was simply, uh, we want to audit the policy, not your books. Well, their books are already audited, course, and that's the course. important point. A lot of people don't understand that, and frankly, a lot of people don't understand the difference between a financial audit and, you know, a program review or a policy analysis or a compliance audit, if you will. Yeah, I think Congressman Paul is interested in trying to understand more with regard to, uh, you know, Fed's policy decision-making. But again, there's a difference between doing that after the fact you know, with appropriate safeguards on what's disclosed and when uh, and to whom, rather than simultaneous auditing where the Congress may attempt to, you know, obtain certain information and engage in certain activities, which frankly could be disruptive uh, both to the markets and could potentially undermine confidence in the Fed. What are the biggest risks that you see from allowing what is going on now to continue with respect to Fed policy? Well, one of the biggest concerns that I have is, as I said before, with the dual mandate, the Fed has engaged in a range of unprecedented and extraordinary activities, not just to deal with the financial crisis, which was obviously significant, but to deal with high levels of unemployment, part of which resulted from the financial crisis, but frankly, not all of which did. 
I mean, we have a structural unemployment now. The nature of the economy has changed dramatically. There's a fundamental imbalance or skills gap between what we need uh, and what we have. And a lot of that really has nothing to do with the Federal Reserve, and the Federal Reserve can't do much about it. It has to do with, you know, what's our immigration policy, what's our employment policy, uh, what's our retraining policy, a variety of issues like that. What are we doing with regard to critical infrastructure, research and development, et cetera. So, so my concern is, is that the, the Fed has engaged in a number of activities because of its dual mat mandate, in the absence of action by the Congress and the President, and to a certain extent, you could argue that there's trillions of dollars of self-dealing going on. I mean, think about what's going on. When the Federal Reserve bought virtually all of the new debt issued by the U.S. government, and the Federal Reserve uh, ends up remitting its earnings back to the U.S. Treasury, in effect, what happened is that the Federal Reserve created money out of thin air, bought trillions of dollars of U.S. government debt, reverted its profits back to the Treasury. What is the net economic substance of that? The U.S. government gets trillions of dollars in interest-free loans. That has no economic substance. That is not sustainable over time, all right? And so what I'm more concerned about is to have more transparency and accountability with regard to what's actually going on from a macro standpoint and not necessarily the Fed. It's really the failure of the Congress and the executive branch to come together to try to deal with some of the challenges that we face so that the Fed doesn't have to be in a position to engage in these extraordinary activities. Uh, because it's one thing to build it up. It's another thing to wind it down. There is a broad range of options that are presented. And I think here at the Cato Institute, we hear more of that range than the broad public does. It starts with, let's take a closer look at the Fed's uh, policymaking process, even uh, retrospectively by, by some time, to what uh, economist Scott Sumner argues, let's target nominal GDP uh, with a fixed growth rate. And uh, there's going to be a price to be paid for exuberance at, uh, down the road to let's get rid of the Federal Reserve. So what actions do you think uh, could be taken that would render auditing the Federal Reserve unnecessary? Well, my view is it's impractical to eliminate the Federal Reserve at this point in time. The question is, what, what, what's going to replace it? Secondly, just as I believe it's impractical to go back to the gold standard at the present point in time. Uh, I do, however, believe that reforms are necessary. I do, however, believe that additional transparency and accountability is appropriate, including with regard to retrospective analysis of policy decisions and reporting on that in a manner that uh, is constructive uh, and not destructive uh, to the independence of the Fed. Uh, I do believe that their safeguards have to exist, uh, you know, frankly, not only on what information is made available to the public and when, but w what information ought to be able to be accessed by members of Congress in written form. You know, there's a difference between being able to come and review something and study it and being able to get copies of something and distribute it all over the place. So uh, I think the answer is, is that we need, to, to, we need additional transparency and accountability with appropriate safeguards, uh, that the Congress and the President need to work together to deal with a number of fiscal and other policy challenges that, quite frankly, the Fed can't do anything about. And then after we end up dealing with some of those issues and, frankly, put ourselves in a more prudent and sustainable and pro-growth path, 
uh, then I think we need to reconsider the dual mandate for the Federal Reserve. So That's my view. What should be the single mandate of the Federal Reserve? I think the mandate for the Federal Reserve should be what it was intended to be all along, and, and, and that is to, to look at, you know, re- reasonable level of price stability, okay, uh, reasonable long-term interest rates. Uh, those things will end up promoting economic growth. By promoting economic growth, you are providing additional opportunity, which hopefully will end up helping with regard to uh, employment opportunities. But as I said, I think a lot of our problem with employment today has to do with some of the structural problems that we face that have not been dealt with effectively. And that's not the Federal Reserve's job. And quite frankly, they can't do much about it. You, you talk about structural problems. Of course, we had structural problems that revealed themselves in 2007, 2008, 2009. In the financial system. Sure. Right. And uh, those uh, regulatory problems put the Fed in a very difficult spot. So what are the financial system regulatory changes that you see as uh, making it easier for uh, the Federal Reserve to do its job without as much uh, of these necessary audits? Well, I think that, again, part of this comes beyond the Federal Reserve's authority. Right, but the Federal Reserve can print. They've got that one lever. I understand that. And they don't even have to print. They just push an electronic button and all of a sudden, poof, here we go. Uh, Look, uh, again, my view is is that our biggest challenges don't deal with the Federal Reserve. That's my view. Our biggest challenges deal with the fact that the Congress and the President have not taken steps to deal with a number of large, known, and growing problems that has put the Federal Reserve in the position where it's the only game in town. And it's about tapped out. There's not much else it can do. And so I think we need to treat the disease. Uh, And the disease is, is we need to start making some tough policy choices that only the Congress and the President can make. We need to provide additional transparency and uh, and accountability uh, in a constructive way with regard to the Fed to learn from the past, uh, to help understand and evaluate how they're proposing to unwind from some of the things that, they, that they've got to do now. And then after we've done that, I then think we ought to take relook at, at what the Fed's mandate ought to be. And we ought to reconsider the Fed's mandate. There are other issues that are going to be discussed and debated. You know, Glass-Steagall. You know, Glass-Steagall was eliminated in, in, you know, in, in the 1990s. You know, many people believe that Dodd-Frank is an overreach. On the other hand, there's a lot of other people who believe that Dodd-Frank didn't get the job done and that we still have systemic risk and that we don't have enough transparency, frankly, with, in the financial services industry with, with regard to understanding the quality and quantity of data uh, that the, 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 uh, the rating agencies still uh, are not doing an adequate job of really being able to assess uh, you know, real credit risk. I would add, I would say, in my view, it's particularly a problem with regard to uh, sovereign nations uh, and state and local governments. Uh, because and, that debt is treated differently by the regulatory system? Yeah, I think it, it is. And, and in addition, we suffer from, from three things in society, in particular in government. Myopia, tunnel vision, and self-interest. And they've reached epidemic proportions. And, and, and if you look at what's happening with regard to, for example, government financial statements, the biggest problem is not what's on a balance sheet. The biggest problem is on what's off the balance sheet. 
the footnotes, the numbers in the footnotes are multiple times bigger than what's on the balance sheet. And frankly, some of the things that should be on the balance sheet are on the balance sheet. Don't you think, don't you think though, you, t- you talk about the president and Congress not really agreeing on things that are really important, and that's not really the Fed's job. But doesn't Fed policy accommodate or subsidize a lot well, of those decisions, well, you, like you, pumping hundreds of billions of dollars into higher education subsidies that may very well feed the skills gap that you're, you talked about earlier? There, there is absolutely no question that Fed actions uh, are a double-edged sword. On one hand, they've, they've helped to avoid a crisis. They've, they've helped to pr- promote more stability and more economic growth and hopefully more opportunity. On the other hand, they've provided a somewhat false sense of security, uh, and they've uh, enabled uh, you know, the, the, the Congress and the president uh, to continue in their gridlock. And in fairness, it's not just the current president. <laughs> We've had some of these problems for a while. Uh, but it's time that we recognize reality, and in so many ways in government, it's time to start treating the disease rather than the symptoms. David Walker is a former Comptroller General at the Government Accountability Office. You can watch the full event on the Federal Reserve at our website, cato.org.